Hello and welcome to this episode of Power Up Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Jones, and in this episode, we speak with Craig Markham, owner and operator of Fit Services, a commercial cleaning company based in Sydney. Now, Craig has been operating Fit Services now for the better part of 15 years, and like a lot of business owners, when they set out in those early years, Craig really thought getting bigger was better. So grow your customer base, grow your team. Then Craig and his business partners, they then expanded into different geographical regions, brought on other partners, and pretty quickly it became a complex business and also at the same time became a very successful business in selling a lot of their services, building the business to a $9 million turnover. Unfortunately, at the same time, the systems and processes and the habits they had in place couldn't keep up with the growth. So very quickly, turnover was was going north, but cash profitability was going south. And ultimately for Craig, it became a really massive beast trying to manage this business. So really hear how Craig had to take a step back. He had to actually reduce the size of the business, really unwind what he'd built to really get better control. And ultimately, at the end of the day, by getting smaller in that less is more mentality, by doing less things but doing them really well, he increased his profitability even with a lot less turnover. And more importantly, as a business owner, he had a lot more control of the business and he was generating more profit or more return for himself and his shareholders. So this is a really, really good story, especially for those business owners who are really planning to attack their market and grow. Always heed the warning. Make sure you've got the systems and the processes in place before you expand. This is a really good story, everyone. Really enjoy this one. Cheers. You're here to change your life. Because there's too much on the line. You're sacrificing shitload now and your family need to benefit. You've got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me come and realise that, hey, I've got to get better at business. Craig Markham, awesome to have you on the other side of the mic. Craig is our co-host in the first series of Power Up Your Business podcast, mate, so it's great to have you on board to, as an interviewee. Are you an interviewee or interviewer? What are you? Yeah, it's a very interesting question, Matt. I reckon I'd be the – well, I could be either. <laughs> either but, uh, in this case, I'm the interviewee, mate. You're the interviewer, the uh, the current host of the Power Your Business podcast. And, mate, may I say, it's gone from strength to strength since you've dumped me. <laughs> it's on we just moved we moved forward mate we moved forward but yeah this series is, yeah this series i'm just sort of going alone um i really like it i've got to be honest with you there's some really cool learnings and um and stuff that resonates big time and and it takes you back to your own journey someone else's journey is similar to yours and and, and you're doing a really good job with it so it's empowering appreciate the feedback mate and and obviously our our journey together goes back now over a decade, back to 09, 2010, wow. um, when you know I got involved with you and met you guys at uh, Alexandria at the office there of Fit Services or Clean Fit as it w- was back in the day. Yeah. Now, really keen, you know, you've got a great story. Talk about a learning story and a, and a journey of ups and downs as a business owner, you know, with various partners on board, uh, various geographical locations. But essentially, just give listeners a bit of a background starting out as a cleaning business, a facility uh, management slash cleaning business. Um, how did those early days look, mate, when you started you know, running the 
clean fit. Yeah, look, it was um, it was a two men in a mop. We um, at the begin with uh, Con Metropolis and myself. Um, you know, been in the game for a while, and we'd learnt uh, under a, a guy called Chris Pertis, who who taught us uh, taught us quite a lot about business and, and 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 how to operate and everything else. But we didn't know anything about finance or operations or business structure or anything like that. So when we started our own business, it was uh, it was a brave new world. You know, we knew what we knew, and back then we thought we knew everything. So you know, as you do, and 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 everything must be easy. Uh, fast forward a year, 2000. That was about 2007, 2008. Um, Brian Fletcher joined us. Brian Fletcher and I are lifelong friends and uh, grew up together. And he was retiring from football and uh, took the opportunity to join us and bring a bit of a trade focus. So we combined our core cleaning business with trades and become like a facility services company. And uh, at the time, there was a competitor uh, called TJ's, Toddy Jarks, who's a very good friend of mine and um, who you know as well, was a bit of a pioneer with. It was utilising that method of, um, you know, taking cleaning around Australia, I guess, and and um, setting up regions and other businesses. And, Be like a franchise model type model. Like a quasi-franchise model, but he was having some… Licensing success. model. Yeah, li- li- a licensing model is probably more to the point. So we kind of followed um, that lead. You know, the great Kerry Packer once said, I don't have any good ideas, but I know plenty of blokes are good ones. So Jarks and I often laugh about that. We uh, sort of jumped on his coattails and thought he's, he's, he's onto something here. But what we did was um, Fletch bring a really uh, good enthusiastic trade knowledge to the business and, you know, Con bring, uh, you know, a lot of enthusiasm and, and knowledge, but that's what we bring. We didn't bring any smarts. We bring a lot of enthusiasm. Everyone was smart. They, they they were smart in simple simple terms, but to actually run a business, we didn't realise what was required from a structure point of view. So being the type of personalities, we were very similar. We were very, um, it's funny, you know, Fletch is really good with money and, uh you know, good at watching the dollars. Uh, Con is terrible at watching the dollars. And I sit somewhere in the middle and I could be swayed. Um, I had the captain's, I, had the, I was wearing the captain's thing on the sleeve, so they'd both come at me at different times. And we were so sales-focused that we went into a massive drive. And about 2009, we thought, wow, we're really good at this. Let's go to Wollongong. We'll follow that TJ model. You know, we went down and got a guy called Shane Millard and Billy Millard, again, no slouch, um, former first-grade footballer, high achiever, uh, bricklayer by trade. And we just jumped Billy on board and we thought, this is easy. We're good at this. You know, we'll just keep getting – we'll just go around getting blokes to, you know, sign up and in a, in a licensed-style model. It was a partnership. Our model was a partnership. We were 50-50 partners. Uh, went to Canberra, picked up uh, another another high-profile former uh, first grade player Canberra through you know Fletcher's connections and things like that and it was all it was all looking really good until such time as we sat up and looked at it and went wow we're not making any money don't forget you went to Newcastle and Central Coast as well we did we did we went up to Newcastle Central Coast as well so we were now in Sydney Newcastle uh, Central Coast uh, Wollongong and Canberra and uh, you know it took us it, it was really good for the ego and we loved the colours and the brochures and we focused on all the marketing ploys that... I've never seen so much stationery in my life. Yeah, well. And logos. Oh, we had stickers, you know. <laughs> you come in to get a bottle of wine when you come in the office. <laughs> so uh, the one thing that was uh, not apparent to us is none of us had any financial knowledge to back it. You know, we knew how to operate a business. We knew how to, um, you know, in particular, that was probably our core strength. We certainly knew how to sell. Selling you're very was, good. At, you're definitely good at selling, definitely good at relationships. Yeah, that, that, was, those relationships. that was the strength of all, all of us. Yeah. But all of us had different skills. You know, uh, we had, you know, Shane bring a whole discipline to the business and, and was questioning a lot of things. And back at the time, 
I suppose, you know, we never really wanted to be questioned. We knew what we were doing. We, we had this down pat. You know, you look back on those times, you think, wow, he was onto something. You know, he was a smart operator and a good guy. And look, we broke the businesses down into in the different regions and different areas. But as a whole, we um, combined our turnovers. And the one thing that became apparent is we were so heavily focused on revenue, but there was no structure in our costs. There was, uh, you know, we weren't focusing on our gross profit margins. We weren't looking at our G&A costs. We weren't looking at our sales and marketing costs. We were just driving this business. And, uh, you know, it was a bit like being on an episode of Wheel of Fortune, you know, once a month you get a car, you know, and uh, it was a bit like that. So there was plenty of high-fiving going on there, wasn't it? Everyone was having fun. Oh, we made another sale. Beautiful. Let's go. High-five, high-five. We must be charging. We ring a bell. We, we rang a bell and we'd make a noise like Alan Jones would because we were big Alan Jones fans. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd take off, uh, what, you know, something from it. And, and that was the – it was a real um, – how would you say it? It was very collegiate. It was, it was I suppose, a, a footy mentality. It was like being in the dressing room, you know what I mean, like being at training. I think some of the, the boys that have been high achievers, you know, Fletch, Shane Millard, you know, Simon Wolford and the like, um, you know, Con and I resonated over that. We wanted to be footballers. They were. It worked really well. We got on well. And, you know, we, when we were working, we were doing some honest hard work. Uh, I think what was missing is the structure and experience. So I was thrust into the the captain role, turned into a CEO role. So it looked great on the business card, felt really good on the ego. It was good to say to people, yeah, I'm the CEO of Fit Services or Clean Fit at the time. But uh, looking back, you know, that was what's now 11 years ago now. I look back and go, wow, what a boy. You know, it was a boy doing a man's job. The start of your MBA, really, wasn't it? The start of your business MBA. School of Business knocks. Definitely, because, you know, you get a lot of confidence. You get a lot of false confidence out of sales success. And I think the one thing I look back and reflect on a lot is um, get a coach. And, and, and that led me to you. I'll get to that in a minute. Get a coach. And if I say to anyone starting out a business, we're about to start in our business currently, if I can just digress for a second, we're about to do a bit of a, a campaign on a rubbish truck. I don't know much about a rubbish truck. I inherited it when Brian exited the business a couple of years ago and I've engaged marketing experts to come in and give us uh, their take on it, and they're going to coach us through, you know, what the opportunities are to get that truck out there and get it going. Uh, and hence, back then, if I can reflect back then now, uh, Matt Horn at the time was our lawyer and, and a business partner. He was a shareholder in the business. Um, he's a high-profile, high-flying lawyer from the city, very well-dressed, three-piece suits. Always looking the goods. He looks the goods. He rang me and said, look, mate, I think you probably – should consider getting some coaching. And I went, yeah, we'd, we'd like that. So we had a business coach uh, initially who I guess we overpowered. We're pretty strong personalities, um, myself, Fletch, Con, Shane Millard, Simon. We all consider ourselves high achievers, the boys in particular in sport. We all had a level of confidence that was, uh, you know, probably above our business knowledge. So we probably overpowered our first business coach. We, you know, went through him, went through emithing the business and putting in procedures and structures and stuff. And it was good. It served us well, but it didn't give us that financial knowledge how to run a business. So uh, that lasted a little while, but I think um, it sort of faded out. So I was a bit sceptical on business coaches, uh, Matt, until I met you and you just hit me between the eyes. And the first thing you ever said to me is, fish stinks at the head and you're the head. And I sat up and listened and went, wow, I better listen to this guy. And you went through a few things that I pretended at the time I knew well. And I think you all wing it because there's a level of um, – you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, but there's a level of you got the CEO next to your name. You're supposed to know this, and then, mate, you know what I found with you, the type of guy you are, is we resonated really quickly of of how you operate 
it was just no nonsense. It was kind of like having a footy coach walk into a team that was being captain coached, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you kind of took that role and said, right, you know, if you're going to invest with me, I'm going to tell you how my rules are and this is what I expect. And it was pretty good. It was it was almost like the relief teacher walked out and the actual teacher walked in and said, right, this is what we're doing. Everyone got on board, which is really good. And we had to manage ourselves um, you know, from a time point of view, holistically from time, from managing the business to managing the dollars. You know, we we had a lot of revenue back then. We're turning over in vicinity of about $8 million. Um, we wanted to expand into like a building company. We, we, we were charging forward, you know, at, at the time. Uh, the problem was we had so many costs and so much leakage and everything out the bottom and everyone was, you know, trying to, I suppose, do what they thought they could to build the business and I was the leader. We are speaking with Craig Markham, owner and operator of Fit Services. If you'd like to learn how you can earn more with a lot less stress, pick up a free copy of my book, Power Up Your Tradie Business. Only pay for shipping. Go to www.poweruppyourbusiness.com.au forward slash book and enter the code podcast all lowercase. Well, that was that thing like, Probably the first session there. Once we, as you know, we always dive into the numbers to get the true story. That you can you can talk around, you can you know highlight what's happening. You can talk it up, but the facts are the facts. And when your scorecard comes out, and it basically says like, "Yep, turning around that eight to nine million dollars, uh, but losing money. We weren't making any money, and having you know tax debts and, and other and things like that, which wasn't clear at the time, which was obviously concerning." We had no clarity. No, we didn't. And I think being salespeople, you'd sell to yourself that, mate, it's all good and it's all been fine. And then we- Just sell more, right? Sell more. If we sell more, everything will be fine. Just drive. We wanted to drive and we sold to ourselves that, you know, when you sit down and you hear some bad news, it's kind of like it's masked by a joke or by, you know, many a true word spoken in jest. I say one of my sayings that I picked up from Connors, many a true word spoken in jest under the influence of alcohol or in anger. And when we would hear these things, we'd get angry, oh, you know, and then, then it would kind of get swept or brushed under the carpet. But you always said, and, and one thing that always resonates with me and I laugh about, you know, when you talk about your own physical health, I apply it. You say, mate, the numbers don't lie, you know, just hop on the business scales. When we hopped on the business scales, we we're losing money. And I think it's a bit of an eye-opener. And the, the worst thing is being the leader, you've you got to go, far out, I'm, I'm running this show and, and some Good friends of mine, a pretty smart guy, said, mate, you boys have a lot of fun. I don't know if it's a business or a circus, but you know, I don't know if you're a CEO or a ringmaster. I look at that now and I look back and I go, I probably was a ringmaster. We had a heap of fun. It was great times. But if you look at it from a business point of view, it was a time of learning. You know, Matty Horn come in um, and using his knowledge and legal knowledge, um, you know, along the way and introduced us to you and, and some other people, which was good. But even still, you know, we still push forward heavily on that sales focus. So we were very revenue focused at the time. Um, costs meant nothing. Costs were just something that were there. You know, it wasn't, there was no focus on them. There was no line by line. Uh, you know, we later learned through yourself line by line, um, you know, ruling a line through transactions and having a look and seeing how efficient or effective that cost was, whether it related to the business. We we spent a fair bit of uh, our time focusing just on that top line. And one thing that, coming back to the ringmaster and a lot of fun and yet there was a lot of fun but obviously for yourself as as well being that CEO there was a lot of underlying stress tension you know essentially you ended up having nearly about eight directors or different business owners shareholders and you were getting pulled from pillar to post trying to appease people and you did a good you did a good job of obviously remaining intact to be honest with you 
And the great thing about it is that when we went through, you know, starting to put through, okay, here's a line in the sand. Like you mentioned, we're on the scales and we are unhealthy. Essentially, I liken it to be, you know, being in the emergency room and they had the defib, defib on and, you know, we're about to, we're flatlining, right? We're, we're close to that stage. Yeah, we were. I remember a day where yourself, uh, our accountant, and the bank walked in. We were uh, cash flow financing and factoring, and, and and it's one of those things that you become used to stuff like that. You know, it's it's how you do business, and it's how you know how to do business. So it's it's the way that you get used to, and you think, yeah, that's cool. I think you got money, but when you realise, like it, I look back and I just shake my head and go, wow, you know, like we got through that time. I don't know how we did, but. Well, I do know how we did. We we sat down and we and we locked arms and uh, you know and put our backs to the wall and, and put good habits in place. Changed our habits completely. We, you know, we sat with you and we and and you know you you basically gave us the talk. You know, and I had to uh, you know Warren, uh, our accountant, who's a great accountant, sit down and say, boys, I don't know if you uh, you know can get out of this one because you've you've built yourself a structure that's so big. We had this big structure and we had partnerships everywhere and we had you know, wound ourselves up so high with, you know, costs and, you know, cost base and everything else that he said, you know, you've you got a big tax debt here, you've got to pay that. And we think, oh, what, how are we going to pay that? We weren't looking at anything else but just the profit. We didn't realise the difference between, you know, profit and cash. Didn't never looked at our balance sheet. Balance sheet was us, something the accountant looked at. You know, that's not what, what we looked at. And I guess, you know, as a team, we just we just kept doing what we always did. And one of the key things, like just rolling back, and this is again credit to what you did and taking the advice on board. A couple of things we did, which is really key, right? We did the client profiling. Agree. We sort of A, B, C clients, right? Who are our profitable clients, and who essentially are our C or D clients that we need to dump, right? They're our time wasters. So that was number one. We did that. And how was that? Like going through there. And remember, we we worked out a GP calculator to work out before we actually go to a job now, before we win a job as you call it now, the jonesulator, and making sure that we're actually making gross profit for every client. How important was that in decision-making? Oh, game-changing. Uh, you know, when, when we had the talk and you sat us down and had the talk, we realised where we were. We were, we, were, we were on the scales and we were sitting there looking at the business and the numbers and the numbers just didn't stack up. And I'm sitting there at the head of it going, far out, I've got to lead us out of this. I had a very good relationship with Con and Fletch, so we were very solid as a team. Uh and I think at the time, we just looked at each other and they went, right, let's let's just uh, partner up and power up. So we put some good disciplines in place. But that's kind of where you took over a little bit of the, I call it the co-CEO and coached me intensely or personally, which is a good thing. Um, and I, I remember back one of the compliments you gave us at the, uh, you know, at the end of, a, say, a 12 or 18-month period, you said you had another client who was in a similar position who didn't take the advice. And you said, mate... Mm. What I wanted you to just stick to the plan. We we come up with a plan, and the one thing, I suppose, touching on your um, paddling um, or maybe your your Olympic mentality, uh, which is a great thing. Putting some of those athletic disciplines in it was it resonated with Fletch because he'd done this, you know, for Origin and done it for Australia and playing at the Roosters and South. But for Con and I, it's a new thing. You know, it's a, it's a whole new discipline that we had to put in place, and we measured and managed every single gross profit margin. We uh, reflected on some of the clients we had with some nightclubs and some clients that were, you know, small restaurants that probably couldn't afford us. And look, they're having a go and they're good people. I don't want to be disrespectful to them, but they didn't value our service. So you taught us the value of profiling people that are, um, you know, um, you know, they were high touch, um, low margin and, you know, probably consuming a fair amount of our time. If you look at our, you know, 
Uh, Especially the way you were back then too. You were very much the fire chief. You love being the fire chief, right? Everything, the phone rang, you were off. And I think you'd hand on your heart, time management has never been one of your strong suits uh, back in the day. The block and I still hate each other. (laughs) (laughs) I, but you know, I, I, I learned pretty quickly that the clock waits for no man. And mate, if you ask my former business partners, they just every, the problem. I think you look back then, they'd say, "Oh, mate, punctuality and stuff," because you're always putting out fires. And because that comes back dealing with the wrong type of clients and and the wrong type of team members as well at different stages. I think there's a fair bit of both. If I if I reflect on the changes we've made, and we're still going through it now. Like you know, you have a situation where you're more experienced in business and you've been through plenty of battles and a lot of them are personal battles with yourself and some of them are with your own team and internal battles and alignment's a key thing. I think the one thing that uh, you managed to do with us really well and I've really valued looking back is you aligned three business partners really, really well. We sold uh, Wollongong to Shane. He did really well out of that and we did we did well out of that and he was, a, he was good and he did, uh, he was probably the benchmark I would say to you for what. The type of partner you wanted. He was exactly what we wanted. Mm. Back then, we probably didn't realize it was just, you know, yeah, he was in Wollongong. You know, we, we probably didn't appreciate it because we didn't understand enough of the inner workings of how the whole model worked. We bluffed our way through a fair bit, to be honest, you know. And, mm. you know, then we got got some good structure in place, um, some good GPs. We started to get on the, on the educational journey. And then um, I think pure... I suppose alignment got us through. We paid off our tax debt. We got uh, we we changed our partnership structure, so it was just mm. we focused on just Sydney. We we sold out of um, we bought Simon out of Canberra. Um, we bought Mick, our partner, out of Central Coast Newcastle. Mick Estani, the great man, and we retained some of those contracts, and we just bring everything in under one banner, mm. and had a huge difference. Instead of having different companies, different insurances, different workers' compensation, different structures everywhere, we we consolidated. Well, basically, you're, you're busy focusing on everything but the business. And what you did now was get focused, get really streamlined and really focused on your core profit-making machine. Because again, when we did the numbers and you run it down, you realized, hang on, I got the baby right in front of me. You know, I got the, the golden ticket right in front of me, which was Sydney. And because you were looking at Wollongong and everything else, you know, Central Coast, Newcastle, Canberra, you were neglecting Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, you get lulled into a sense of, and, you know, Fletch used to bring it up sometimes, you know, he was not a huge fan of our expansion. Um, it's funny, the irony is he drove our first expansion to Wollongong because of the type of bloke Shane was. He really, you know, had a big rap on him and, and Shane turned out to be everything Brian said and he was great in the business, very good at operating it, good with the good at managing the whole thing. So he was, he was exactly the partner we're looking for. I think we got distracted by that a fair bit and you forgot where we sort of started and the core business for us wasn't. So good news is after we um, managed to come through that period, um, we aligned ourselves, we um, rebranded as Fit Services and added a maintenance division, uh, which which was good, It was, but more lessons to come. So, you know, we got through the cleaning side, we got through um, getting rid of some clients, getting rid of some revenue that wasn't… Yeah, reduced revenue. Yeah, reduce our we, and increase we, our bottom line profit. Yeah, we reduced our revenue to make more money. Correct, and that's what. Just want to hold that there for a second. That's where I want listeners to really focus on: is that you got caught in the trap of growing, doing more, you know, going to more geographical locations, more turnover, more sales, more team. The top line was growing. This is what we term everyone growing broke, where the top line was growing, but the bottom line was going south, and and that's where I want you know for understanding, especially for listeners as well. 
make sure you get systemized your, your current patch. Get that right because would you agree, Craig, mate, if we got Sydney humming before we actually then went to Canberra or Wollongong, it'd be a different story. But because you went before there was too many systems in place, too structured, we didn't have the structure and the rigour and the habits in place in Sydney. So what that meant was we were just taking bad habits around with us. 100%. If I reflect on it, if I had my time again, if you could have a time machine and go back, I would do it the way you just said, without question. And there's, there's not an option. It's the only way to do it. You can turn it upside down. You can turn it inside out. The numbers don't lie and the numbers were there. But again, like all good salesmen do, and we all had a sales background, you sell to yourself that it's, you know, ah, it's fine. We'll make it work because, you know, you have a level of confidence that you, uh, you know, probably better at that than you probably are. And it was a real lesson. So we went back to basics. We went back to the core. It was a, it was a very big time of reflection on, well, you mm. know, wow. It's humbling, to be honest with you, because you had to pull it right back. We had to pull it right back, and uh, we, we and we did. And I think, um, you know, it was the most educational period in our life. You know, you'd bring in some processes. I've, I've still got them in my office. They're old stamps now, and everyone uses sign now, and you know, sign it. Account, account coding, account coding, and everything else. And we, um, we were so just on that. There, just sorry, Mo. I just want to talk about these are habits, right? So some of the habits that we put in is that you know, if an invoice or a bill comes in, you've got to stamp and put the code on there. It's got to be signed off before it gets paid. Other habits were line by line P and L analysis every month in the boardroom, uh, line by line analysis as well before we actually won a job or went for a job in terms of making sure we got the right GP for that client, uh, and also another analysis is making sure that everyone who's buying something in the field they've got to be accountable for that. So cash flow forecasting, weekly cash flow. So it's all about – so these are the, this is what I want everyone to understand. It's all about the habits that turn the business around, agree, and getting you really focused in on what was important as opposed to being distracted by the phone or by a client and being that fire chief. Yeah, and, and not just not just the habits, mate, but the ability to sit in the boardroom and learn. And, and even back then, like we still didn't – it's not that we didn't get the lesson. We'd leave the boardroom and then we'd go back to old – old habits if it makes sense, but the fact that we were putting those new habits in place for long enough that we were getting rid of the old, it's hard to get rid of old bad habits and people just, money management's a topic that doesn't get taught at schools or sometimes in the home. Some people are really good at it, some are hopeless, some sit somewhere in between. Mm. The thing is for us, the more we enforced those habits and kept the good habits going, the more we would get rid of all the bad habits that we'd put in place. And it drove the business, um, you know, to a point where we could get a little bit comfortable. But then we had the whole learning about cash, you know, and we're thinking, wow, because we focused so much on the profit and loss and we were P&L heroes. We thought, oh, we've got money. We've made money. But then you don't realize making money in your business uh, is great on a P&L, but how much cash you got left, mm. that cash go. That was a huge lesson. The cash flow forecast was a game changer. In fact, the cash flow forecast got us out of factoring. Well, it turned around in 12 months. It got us off the ER. Yeah. Got, us, got us out of the emergency room and turned around. Essentially, it was, a, it was nearly about a $700,000 turnaround from red to black. We still sold and, and getting more revenue in is, was was a focus but wasn't the core focus. Mm. We actually focused most of our attention on the operations, getting our gross profit margin, profiling our clients, making sure that it was cash, um, you know, age receivables, age payables, you know, mm. just balance sheet, uh, you know, markers that just – those levers that you can pull with the, you know, the age, age was huge. You know, it was amazing. Just to tag on that, because I just want to clarify. So what, what Craig's really talking about now is the habits and the structure and process in the admin. So the back of house, the office, which again, 
too many business owners neglect so you know, age receivables you know when are you going to get paid you know well how much is outstanding from your clients age payables how much is to go out uh, and then cash flow forecasting is really you know when money's hitting the bank account and leaving the bank account on a week-to-week basis so as you you explain craig but you know it just gives you that transparency and that confidence to know that hey i can see a red train coming don't have to freak out and i can put a strategy in place to ensure that we don't get run over by it. i think that's the biggest thing like getting the right people on board that was another I mean, you know, the list of learnings is just, it's so long. We could be on this for five hours. But a lot, the analogy I use as a restaurant, when you go to a really good restaurant and you have, you know, three courses, you know, that head chef, you know, let's call it a Gordon Ramsay or a Jamie Oliver or whoever you want to, you know, I'm a big fan of Pete Evans for many different reasons. But if you think about how they run a restaurant, it's the supplies and the produce that comes through. So they've got to be over the top of that. They've got to know what's in season. So they don't just leave it to someone. They're all over it. Then they get the guy that, you know, stocks and, you know, has the delivery down to the guy that washes the dishes. Everyone's got a role to play and they're really important. And I think the biggest thing is business owners, we made the mistake of thinking, yeah, the accounts do that. We had no idea what the accounts department did really. We knew that, you know, we know it's about numbers and fine, but we didn't get in behind. We didn't lift the veil. And have a look at what's you know what's underneath the hood and go. We right. didn't know what they needed to be accountable for. You didn't know what their KPIs were. There was no KPIs, no measurement. And that's when we partnered with you, um, to, you know, to coach us and and take us on the journey. It's funny. It's it's a bit like like I said back to the restaurant. We ended up being a dishwasher. We ended up being a delivery guy. We ended up being, you know, looking at the produce. Then we were the sous chef. Then there were the, you know the the guy on the grill. Then we were the you know the guy in in a kitchen. You see so many different people. They've all got, but the one guy knows everything. And we needed to a leader needs to know everything. You can't just be heavily focused on sales. You got to know exactly what your sales team does. We put structures in place for business development. Then we had to work our operations to make sure our gross profit margin was correct and our managers were doing the right thing and our cleaners were you know uh, you know measured and managed properly i think then we had to go to the financial side you know so it's it's fine to have sales right it's fine to have operations right it's fine to have your financial component of your operations right but then you've got to go to your accounts to make sure your clients are getting invoiced on time and invoices are getting paid on time and you know your payable's not going out too quick your receivables not coming in too late there's all that balance and then measuring those team members as well you know then you've got to get in the boardroom and then the the one thing that Looking back, I think the problem I had being a shareholder, major shareholder and one-off and and the CEO is you get defensive. Back, I look back and, you know, Matty Horn used to pull me aside and said, mate, we're not having a go at you, but it's like, your, you know, your job. And I could imagine. Because you're answerable. You're the one that the buck stops with you, basically. It's a different hat. And it's difficult when you're running a business because you are the CEO. So sometimes when the board come at you, it's all overwhelming and you go, you know, like, no, and, you, and your first comment is a is a defensive type comment and and you don't mean to come across defensive because you it's just how it is you know because you haven't swapped hats you've got to get into that boardroom you know the irony is i was a shareholder as well as the ceo so i got all the other shareholders pointing fingers at me i'm thinking hang on they're the guys i'm operating with the irony is we're all sitting in the room if you've performed it's all cool no one cares when everyone's making money if you haven't performed you're thinking to yourself why are they pointing the finger at me they're they're the one you know what i mean so it, they're it, part of the, you're, you're thinking they're part of the problem. Everyone was the victim, basically, and everyone playing the blame game where we had to really, and this is, we did a good job of, and this is part of the cleaning out process of making sure that everyone's actually accountable. You know, and we talk about, you know, bring our A game, right? Bring our A game means, you know, what happened this morning is done. I can't change that, but you know what? I'm going to change the next decision I make. And it does come back to owning it, but it's a hard transition from, again, from the mop, as you said from the get-go, from the mop and the bucket to the boardroom, that's a big transition, big step. 
Cooper Silk uh, from Radio Hub likes to call it from brass goes to the big time or brass goes to the boardroom as he's <laughs> love that. That's quite funny. Um, and we haven't made it yet. So when we get there, we'll tell you. But yeah, it is. It's a big transition. And there's a certain level of you've got to be honest with yourself. What you don't know, you don't know. And, you, and you've got to self-improve. And you've got to take it on the chin. You know, it's not easy to listen to when you're sitting there going, I'm running this. It's, it's another version. So at the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. You're kind of getting rescued, if you will, by getting a coach involved like yourself who comes in and identifies all these things wrong with you and your business, I should say. And then you fix that. Then you go to the next level where you're starting to get into a boardroom environment. And that's a whole different, whole different strategy. So, you know, if, if you liken it to, you know, sport or, you know, rugby league as an example, I'm, I could imagine, I'm like, I, I can only imagine I played at a level like that. It's, uh, I could imagine what those origin players are like compared to the, the boardrooms, like what I assume origins like. Whereas, yeah, well, the, the the pressure's on, isn't it? The speed's up. The intent, every, every mistake you make, you pay for. And this is where, again, I want listeners to really tap into here because a lot of them, we know we have people that email us and people that we assist. They're all looking to bring partners on board. They're looking to expand. You know, how important is it, you know, again, looking back, how important is it from the get-go to get expectations and clarity right with your partners? Now, one thing that we've spoken about a lot is, paying people up front now you are very generous and just the way you are and just your nature that you know you are happy to pay people up front a good salary up front and then but unfortunately they were paid up front and there was no delivery from the bottom line perspective so there was no um, fat in the business because it was just all going out the front end or out the top end so how important is it to get that structure right and clear expectations both on a pay grade but also from you know, KPIs and deliverables with partners and shareholders. I think the biggest thing that we've learned is, you know, we, we, we did, we were generous with each other and we were generous, um, you know, to individuals that come in. And, and I think we transitioned from, it, it creates an entitlement culture. I mm. think don't have that right. It's performance. You know, if you look at uh, any sporting team, um, you know, right now the tennis is on and as we speak, and, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Ash Barty. I was watching a little, um, they do those previews on her and the little things she does, you know, and she plays golf and does all these different things to help Cricket. Her. Cricket to help her. AFL, yeah. Yeah, she's incredible. And, you know, she learns from different different ideas and learns from different uh, different aspects. But if you don't have, um, if you don't have that discipline in place or you don't have that performance model in place, I think it's doomed for failure. It, I, I haven't seen a pay up front. Well, it hasn't worked for us. And if it has worked for somewhere else, I'd love to know that. I haven't seen it work. And look, this is what I put it down to. Humans, and this is the thing about humans, will always go the path of least resistance. Right? The path. Now, if I'm getting it up front, I'm already getting paid. That means my mortgage is paid. I've got money for the kids' schooling and anything else and overseas holidays. I don't really need to work hard. You know, I, I'm not incentivized to go out there and maybe get a client, work harder on a client that's got more profit with us or work harder with our team to make sure we're more efficient because I'm not really worried about the bottom line because I'm getting paid off the top line, baby. And that's that human nature. That's what I want everyone to really understand. Even the good people, you do go that path of least resistance. There has to be that incentive there for people to go above and beyond and get uncomfortable, get out of their comfort zones to perform. Yeah, well, Matt, we're re-engaging with uh, – well, not re-engaging. We've always been uh, – you know, we've always worked with you every single year since, um, but we're really having a, a big focus post-COVID to work with you with some new younger team members to put that – what we call our performance culture in place. It's a culture change, and I think we come from a culture of entitlement. Mm. I'd always 
I was the leader of that, you know what I mean, at, at a time. So I look back and I go, well, you know, there's no finger pointing here, the three of us. We sort of lived out of the business and went, yep, that's how it should be. And then, you know, one day a question was asked of me as I've continued my journey on um, educating was, well, if the business could talk, what would it say? I'll tell you. And, you know, the business would say, get out of my pocket. Yeah. I'm starving. No, was it? Well, treating it like a petty cash, correct? Yeah, you guys are fat and happy. So, you know, that relates back to what you said. The numbers don't lie. The performance of the business is, is important. And, you know, we still haven't got it right, even to this day. You know, I've been in, in the same game for uh, 25 years, been in business ourselves since 2007. So we're 14 years on our own in a business. And, uh, you know, I've run businesses before that. But, you know, we're constantly learning. And, and then they've got new technologies, new things that come in place. In your business, you've got to be on top of absolutely everything. And if you and, don't structure right, don't grow. And look at look at just in that 14, 15 years that you've been operating now, you've gone through a GFC, right, massive change to economic models, and then we've gone through COVID, which was just, especially in your game, hospitality and just so much just got ripped out from under you that you could never foresee. So just, again, with not having... You know, going through those sorts of crises without having transparency, you can easily pull the wrong lever, right? And, you know, you going through COVID now as opposed to, say, the early days, like how did that, like going through that stressful period but having knowledge and, and clear understanding of the business, how did that give you, give you more peace of mind and confidence knowing that, you know, as a leader, CEO now, that's got a lot of you know, years under my belt, a lot of experience under my belt, how confident were you to, 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 you know, to pull the right levers going forward? Yeah, so a few years back on my path and journey with you, I went and um, did some study in Texas and did uh, did some work under you know, a, a business genius called Keith Cunningham. And because um, yeah, what's his book called again? Unlock the Vault, is it? Keys to the Vault. Keys Keith. to the Vault book. Yeah, it's a good book. That one. Done all Keith's courses, and it's a private college. And you know, you can do the four day four day MBA, and you know how to buy and sell businesses and everything else. And I've never met anything, anyone like him, um, and I don't think I've met too many people like you, Matt, at, at you know, like how they both complement each other is uh, incredible. And one thing I'll say to whoever's running a business on listeners to this podcast and for what, what my advice is worth is don't be afraid to, to learn and educate yourself. And much against some of my partners didn't love it at the time, you know, thinking, you know, what are you wasting the money for? But I put – the fact that we got through COVID and we were heavily hit with shutdowns of, you know, our hospitality is a core part of our business. About 70% of our business is hospitality. And I think looking back on those lessons of early days when we had to get our GPs right and do everything that, you know, put structures in place, um, furlough people back then, it was before the GFC, it was, uh, you know, it was actually around the time of. Looking back on those lessons, that's what got us through COVID and the education side. And I think, you know, for anyone that's listening out there, that is suffering from COVID as well. I think you've got to be looking at your business in crisis mode as opposed to um, it's businesses and it's not business as usual at the moment, you know. It's really line by line, looking at everything every month. We do. I just finished a meeting. I was running a bit late for this podcast because I religiously do a line by line review of every single client, every single item. Then we sign off our invoices every Tuesday from the old Matt Jones stamp which I've still got five of them in the office. I keep them because they're, they're funny. I mean, I thought, well, ever use these ones. It's now electronic. So that stamp is now done on a sign now and not one invoice goes underneath. Like I sign, I, I co-sign our managers. I'm trying to teach the managers to manage the business, but I co-sign every invoice. So it gets two signatures and that's a discipline and a, and a great habit. That was it's a great habit. 
brought back um, cash flow mm. every Thursday, one o'clock. It's funny. People talk to me about my punctuality is probably one of my biggest things that I would constantly battle with and improve because I'm more, you know, <laughs> probably filling the calendar too much. You know that as a personal friend of mine as well as, uh, you know, we become great mates. Well, you, you become an expert at actually uh, triple, quadruple booking uh, an appointment at the same time. And you th- and you actually could believe, you actually fooled yourself that you believe you could actually fit those four four appointments in the one minute, which yeah. is quite amazing. Yeah, it's not great, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's- now you only double book, which is a lot better than quadruple booking. Yes, that's true. You talk about punctuality and stuff, you know, we religiously do cash flow. Uh, also, we have a, a bit of flexibility in our business. But you talk about habits. And Monday, we do bank rec. Tuesday, we sign off invoices. Thursday, we do cash flow. And Fridays, we do payments. And they're four key drivers and key pillars of our business that are success. And then the levers around that that we need to pull. So I look at the age receivables on, on Monday with bank rec. So bank rec and aged on Mondays and look at who hadn't paid for the week before and stuff like that. We look at that again on Thursday with cash flow. So then you can adjust those levers or, or make those calls. And, you know, it's these little disciplines that we were taught early days with yourself that we never used to understand it. When you said to me cash flow forecast, I thought it was an Adelaide striker from, uh, you know, from continent. <laughs> and, if you, you know, you said to me, uh, I was an Olympian from uh, Greece. Classic, yeah, that... I shouldn't be laughing because they were actually some of the comments coming back at the time, everyone, just to let you know. But what I want everyone to do is just actually just rewind this podcast and go back about 35 seconds and listen to the success habits that Craig does Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're key and they're gold, mate, and it's really good. And, again, it comes back to discipline. But they're those little things that people just, oh, I haven't got time for that. Jonesy, I'd love to do that but I haven't got time. But tell people, you know, you've got to make time for that. You've got to invest time for that. Well, I'll, I'll share something with you. Honestly, I mean, as you know, that the clock and I aren't friends and I, and I, I've, I'm improving constantly. But I tell you what I won't miss. I won't miss a bank wreck. I, I'll tell you, if my week, I'll tell you how it is. It's almost like a respirator for your business. You talked before, earlier in the podcast, you said we're in the emergency room. We were in the emergency room. We didn't want to admit it at the time. We, we walked in casually said, ah, we'll be right. Because you know what? Looking back, I go, how did we get through that? Do you know what I mean? And we got through back through that with coaching from yourself some discipline a fair bit of confidence from us and you know i won't say luck but i certainly it was more good management than luck but it was it was humbling but i will say this if we don't do those four things each week in our business our business will turn pretty quickly and i think anyone's business will turn quickly and anyone trying to improve their business the one thing that you know and, and it's it's a matt jones habit i still use a thing called the jungulator for every single client that we uh, get that's new business, I carry it around. It's a bit of a it's a it's it's called a GP calculator, but I named it the Jungulator after you because you bring in a terrific spreadsheet. And in fact, everything's gone uh, enterprise dynamic, such as the Cube, which is a terrific tool. But I still use in Excel with my team um, our Matt Jones Jungulator venue information sheets. It's just it's it's timeless. It, they're incredible, and we it gives you the information you need, right? All our managers measure against, on a weekly basis, measure against the sheets we created, the GP calculators for the management runs, you know, so how they're all going with their costs and and, and what's happening there and, and how the contracts look. And, and that's how we measure our managers. And it's a great it's it's a great tool. So those tools that you created in 2010, we still use today in 2021. Look, it's great to hear, right? And this is the whole thing about it doesn't matter if it's a new system or an old system, it's about actually implementing it. And this is one thing I want to come back to what you mentioned. You alluded to a little bit 
back in the day where we had another client, a friend of ours, who, you know, you you give them the habits, you you give them the the processes, but if they're not implemented, then nothing's going to happen. And the great thing about it, you actually implemented, you follow through, you put the habits in place, and you got the results. I think the one thing that comes out of that is, you know, there was a lot of noise at the time and we had a lot of ideas and I had a lot of we had a lot of systems and we had paperwork for everything and compliance. The, the industry changed, the need for compliance. You know, now, you know, it's crazy what's going on. OHS had really, really, um, you know, been developing over the years and, and oh, it should. It's, it's a huge, huge practice in our business. But I think the effectiveness of it, like, you know, we did a bit of an, uh, you know, I suppose we want a bit of a diet of which tools we used if they worked. And as I said, mm. those tools, whether they're analog or digital, they're in place because they are so efficient and effective. Mm. I think they're timeless. I don't, they, they just don't change, you know. It's, and, and it's one of the things that I think you've got to find for your own business. And, and I think they're generic, to be honest with you. you can apply, I've applied them to a few other businesses and been asked. Um, by some friends, you know, what do you do here? How do you do that? They haven't started out and I've given them a template. I've just cleared it and I've applied it to their business and it works. It's very generic. It's cookie cut. But it's, and that's the thing, but it's about applying it. It's, um, it's about applying it and using it effectively. And it's like any system, just maximize. Too many people go, oh, no, I've got to go to the next shiny system or new job management system or another tool or something else. And they're not actually maximizing what they've got. So it's all about maximize your current systems before you worry about something. But, you know, a bit like what we are talking about, get Sydney right, get Sydney humming, get that right before you then move on and try and expand and, and look for something different because it takes up so much time and your intention. Yeah, and I think I'm an early adopter with technology and stuff. I love new technology and, and things and my partners at the time uh, didn't. And that probably, you know, looking back on that, you know, I think they were right and I was right. We needed to get a technology but I guess my frustration come out of the fact that they weren't using what really worked anyway. Mm. Uh, so, you, so you go in this search. Yeah, they weren't using it. They weren't adding it in. They weren't using it effectively. No, we weren't. And, and, and mate, you know, I suppose, and I go, well, hang on, you're the leader. So, you know, you got to go far out. The familiarity and the friendship and stuff we had probably drove us down that path. So then I would go out and look for a new technology when it was right under my nose the whole time. So ironically, yeah. this period where we're chasing you know, people using Fusionsoft and all those different, you know, models and, and, and different CRMs and yeah, all that. And we were looking at you know, the cloud-based stuff and the cloud become huge. So you try and adapt uh, and you try to evolve and you think, and, and you know what the worst thing is? You go and see someone who is a tradie or, you know, we, we're like a trade. We consider ourselves like a trade. Yeah, tra yeah. Learning is a trade um, for sure. If you do it professionally uh, and you do it well, and we think we do it professionally well, we could always improve. And, you know, there'd be people out there that'd say, oh, you know, that we've used them, they're no good. That's fine. But, you know, we know we do it well. We know we're very experienced. You get people out there that say, mate, I've got this new system. I've got this new app. And, and it's the worst conversation you can have, you know, the water cooler conversation or the coffee coffee conversation. You go and have a coffee and, you know, someone go, mate, I've got this great app. You should see what it does for our business. And you're constantly trying to improve. So you want to adopt that. So I had to, I had to put the blinkers on like a racehorse. And don't get distracted. I had to just put the, you can't stop the hand up and go, you know what? I've learned that. You, you taught me that. You know, I was extremely distracted. I, I like in my early years of business, like being in a dark room and being uh, poked and you turn around and you're responding to all that at all times. You're getting covered in spiders in a dark room. And you don't know where it's coming from, right? You don't know where it's coming from. I like time, that analogy. Yeah. Every time you get a poke, you go, is it behind me? Is it in front of me? You know what I mean? And then you learn that just, you know what? And, and you taught me this. You said, mate, shut your eyes, shut your ears, shut your mouth and just look straight ahead. 
and have that discipline. And, and, and that brings, ironically, a level of calm. Put the blinkers on. Yeah, a level of clarity. That that a big word of yours that I've always admired, and one thing I've admired, you know, you have a, an incredible ability to focus, right? And I go right, you know, when you and you look at you model yourself off people. So I modeled myself off some of the disciplines you have that I learned from you, and and you pick up habits from people you're around, and and you know, Con and, and Brian as my business partners, and and Matt Horn, they got some great. Everyone's got great attributes. Mm. I'm a huge believer in the Pareto principle, and I say this from a HR perspective, you know. Try and model yourself on successful people, but not all successful people have it right. None of us are 100%. Uh, we're a work in progress. We're always trying to improve on the things. We're, we're really good at some things, and that's our core, but the things we're trying to improve on, well, we just got to learn that off others. You find out what others do really, really well, and this might be different to things I do well. So if 80% of what I do really well, I don't need to focus on that. Let's focus on the 20% I need to improve on. And how do I improve on that? I'll find either a coach or a thought leader or a business leader. I'll listen to a podcast. Well, someone else do it, does can do it for you, right? You can't do everything. That's the whole thing about delegating. So it's just like you can't do everything. You're just like what what? And this is the thing with owners and just finishing up. But like this is the thing with owners is you can't be all things to all people. And you you, you got to understand where your value is the organisation. So you back in the day you you thought your value was running around trying to put out fires, but as you know, it's not. Your value is making sure we've got the right systems, the right habits in place and that everyone's accountable, which is a big difference from, you know, trying to be out the front there putting out the fire as opposed to steering, you know, what fires to put out when. Um, so rather than being the coal face. But I think, Craig, now, like over that journey now and setting into that 2021, which is going to be really exciting about really you've got a young, enthusiastic team. They're really green in terms of business and they're, they've got great attitudes and you've got well-worn processes. So really looking forward to really implementing you know, the fit services way and really that the performance culture, which is going to be awesome from a team perspective. But what about just a couple of things, I suppose, just to, to give the listeners some takeaways you know, on your journey now, what is probably the, the one or two takeaways for those people that you know they've probably been operating you know three five eight years you know they've gone through COVID they're not really where they want to be what's some tips or in words of encouragement that you'd provide yeah probably the first uh, one that comes to mind is focus it's a huge word that often I often have you talk to me when I'm driving uh, you know have my accountant say some things you know people that are influenced on me and when I'm dealing with a problem, whatever, I think, all right, if I went outside here, uh, you're like, you know, in my car behind my head, shaking your head going, focus, mate, focus. You know, it's funny how you have, this is how I think. And then, uh, you know, focus as well as what you procrastinate on or what you don't want to do is what you should be focusing on. It's mm. awful. And I'll give you an example, budgets. I hate budgets. I hate the clock. I hate time. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it's great. But you know what? If you're not cautious with your time, it's the only thing that we get to, you know, I said – earlier you know it's the thing that we have to spend wisely doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor everyone gets the same amount of minutes we get the same amount of time and it's yeah. so start with the budget the numbers don't lie getting some structure and getting it right getting it right you don't have to everyone thinks too far ahead i did i thought too hard love what you just said then about everything to everyone you've got to narrow as you don't do the the movement you did for me you used to go like that and just make narrow it down and pinpoint it. You can't work on everything at once and get it right. It's like a brick wall. A brick wall is built brick by brick. So, okay. Focus on the next brick. Focus on the operations. Get it lean. Um, and I think the pillars of business are, look, starting with the budget so you can measure against something. You've got to measure. If you're not hopping on the scales, you know, we talk about weight loss and mate, we all want to lose weight. And me in particular, you know, currently, you know, a challenge with a lot of mates of mine. 
and as you get a bit older, some of us put on weight, some still keep a pretty lean rig. Um, you're one of them. You're lucky. And, uh, you know, you think to yourself, well, how do you do it? You get on the scales and you measure yourself and then you come up with a plan. And as you've always said, best plans in the world can be left on a desk or a table. If they're not executed, they're not measured. You got to execute on the plan. You got to measure on the plan, and yeah. that's simple. It's the tools that, it's the tools that are commonly out there that, I think that you put in business. So if it's business development, you got to have a BD guy that's performing. You got to have a BD guy that's not paid up front. You got to have a BD guy that's focused, hungry, measured, and part of the team and collaborative. And you got to create a performance culture. Performance culture is huge. You've bring that to us, and and uh, that was the game changer. I think we we were performers. But not accountable to the right KPIs, key performance indicators, right, that actually drove the business forward in a profitable, sustainable way. Yeah, we, we were busy but not efficient or effective, mm. that makes sense. We, and, and we focused on being busy. And as you say, our biggest thing was being a fire truck for our clients, for our cleaners, for our managers. And mm. So just having a structure and a system in place, no, that's how it works. And having the discipline to say, no, I'm not going to attend to it. It's like when the phone rings, don't pick it up. And look, it's been like your learnings over those course of the years have been Unbelievable. It's been a colourful journey, that's for sure. Looking forward to what's going to be happening in 2021. And just to clarify, I think the, the couple of takeaways there for everyone, number one, focus, right? Try not to be all things to all people. Try not to expand too quickly. Just focus on where you're profitable right now. Number two, get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get used to being uncomfortable, right? You've got to get out of your comfort zone. Do the things that you don't want to do, like i.e. get off the site and actually work in the business to know the numbers and then number three is have a, that performance culture, which is everything's got to be accountable. Why are we spending that? Why are we having that client? Why have I got that team member on? And making sure that there's that accountability across the board. So, yeah, they're three key awesome takeaways for everyone. And again, it's great to listen to these podcasts, everyone, but we want people to action things. So now it's about implementing it. So, Craig, awesome champion. Thanks for the first time we can. And it's also, I feel funny calling you Craig. I don't know what, you know, it's Craig Bush Markham. So, Bush, thanks, Champion, for coming on board this session. Thanks, James. It's been a real uh, pleasure. And, mate, we're really looking forward to partnering up again and uh, really collaborating with, you know, the Cube team and yourself and getting our young managers right, like educating them on that understanding, you know what I mean? And I'll finish on this note. I was just – I was thinking a bit when you were talking there. One of the things I love that, uh, you know, I learned from the great Keith Cunningham, as he said, in business, and and you've always said something similar to this too, there's two reasons to spend money in business, to keep what you've got, or to get more of what you got. It's that simple. And if you look by those two principles, I think that resonates when you ask me that question and it hit me late. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Definitely. Yeah, but Keith Cunningham, everyone too, just research Keith and Keys of Vault is a good book, as well as obviously Power Up Your Trading Business, right? That's obviously a, that's up there. Yeah, great <laughs> book. And I think, oh, it is. And for tradies out there, like, my God, it's, it's a lifelong. I've given it to a mate of mine who's a plumber. And you're going to get a call from him very shortly. And it, it, it's just, he can't put it down because every story in there, like it's it's an everyman story. It's a typical trading model. And it's just time and time again, you see it. And you see the, you see the, the little changes you can make, you know. And he's he was going down that path of more business, drive revenue, marketing, to get the website up. I said, no, 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 no. Get the operations focus right. Get the numbers right. You know, put the structure in. Yeah, no, that's right. And that's the whole thing about less is more. Slow down. Slow down to speed up. So. Yeah. All right, champion. As always, great to speak. Looking forward to an awesome 2021, mate. And we'll, we'll get you on back end of the year. Right? We'll do uh, episode two. Yeah, love to. And we'll uh, look at some of the, the results. Cheers, Bush. Take care. You're here to change your life.
Because there's too much on the line, you're sacrificing shitload now and your family need to benefit. You've got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me come to realise that, hey, I've got to get better at business. 